you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 team. Hello, Dodger fans, and welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. This is a daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio, Chavez Ravine Fiends, and with me from across the country is Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential. Jeff, how's it going? Uh, It's going pretty okay. I flew all day today. It was dark when I left for the airport. And it was dark by the time I got to Washington, D.C., so it kind of felt like uh, a long day. And I discovered that I forgot to pack my headset with my microphone, so I'm using my laptop's uh, default mic, so I hope it's not too obnoxious for the listeners. Uh, Probably not any more obnoxious than you already are. You got that right. All right. Uh, Today we're going to talk about some baseball news, some signings that happened, and you know obviously how it relates to the Dodgers and we're going to get into a couple other guys that maybe a bit of a long shot for the Dodgers but uh we'll touch on them as well as they could potentially be traded and a couple more Garrett Cole notes before that a quick reminder to subscribe to Locked on Dodgers wherever you get your podcast and when you get in your car in the morning tell your smart device to play a podcast Locked on Dodgers all right, so Cole Hamels signed a one-year deal with the Braves. Um, probably not much to touch on there. He wasn't really a legitimate option for the Dodgers. One that was a potential option for the Dodgers but can no longer be an option for the Dodgers is Zach Wheeler, who signed a five-year, $118 million deal with the Phillies. Jeff, initial reactions to, if you have any on Hamels, but more so Wheeler. Yeah, uh, I don't have a lot to say about Hamels. Like you said, he wasn't really high on any of our priority lists. I don't think he's, uh, even when he was at his peak, something about him never really did it for me. Uh, So I don't have much to say about him except uh, good luck. Uh, But with Wheeler, you know, late in the season, during the postseason and in the early offseason, we thought Wheeler might be a possibility for the Dodgers. But once uh, once we start hearing rumblings that he was going to, get a contract as big as what he ultimately got. Uh, I think I had kind of ruled him out mentally anyway, because if the Dodgers are going to give a pitcher 20-something million a year, uh, it, it's not going to be Zach Wheeler. You know, I think the only way I could have seen them signing Wheeler is if Cole and Strasburg both signed somewhere else and Wheeler was still out there. Uh, but I think... Uh, they're right to prioritize their pitcher dollars focusing on uh, one of the big two. Yeah, pretty much, um, you know, not a ridiculous contract for Zach Wheeler, but like I said, for the Dodgers, they're going after bigger guys and they can't throw 118 mil at a guy if they want to get a guy like Garrett Cole, who we're going to talk about now. Uh, Garrett Cole um, met with the Yankees. So allegedly told them that there's no West Coast bias. So we talked about West Coast. He preferred West Coast yesterday. Today there's a report that he doesn't have a West Coast bias. 
And I believe you said there was a report that he, what were the two things he wanted? Yeah, Jeff Passan, I think it was on the radio. I just saw somebody tweet about what he had just heard Jeff Passan say on the radio. And he said the two big priorities for Cole are winning and being the best pitcher of the generation. Yeah, so he can do both of those in L.A. Obviously, he can do the same in New York. Maybe not so much with the Angels. Um, you know, with these new reports, we're going to probably get new reports every other day or so. But um, does any of this, you know, have you thinking he's more likely to go to the Dodgers or less likely to go to the Dodgers? Well, yesterday we talked about how it's hard to get in the mind of these players. And I said yesterday, if Cole values winning, that definitely gives the Dodgers an edge over the Angels. Uh, I'm not convinced that he's actually that interested in going to the Yankees. I think it's more uh, a business strategy of we're not going to officially eliminate a deep pocket team that might be interested uh, because otherwise, you know, it's just a negotiating ploy. That that's my guess. Maybe he'll end up signing with the Yankees, and I'm totally wrong. But uh, I think the thought of him wanting to be on the West Coast makes sense, especially since the Dodgers and the Angels both seem willing to pay him some money. And so, if it really does come down to the Dodgers and Angels, and he really is concerned about winning and being a generational pitcher. I think the Dodgers have the big edge there. Uh, everything about their history, their current status, uh, their pitching history. You know, I, I think it, it made me a little bit more hopeful that the Dodgers might have a chance at him. Obviously, the winning goes to the Dodgers. Uh, the Dodgers have very recently had a generational pitcher in Clayton Kershaw, so they know how to handle him. They Gary Cole has seen the Dodgers extend Kershaw twice now, giving him, you know, the money that he kind of wanted. So, you know, all all signs in that regard point to the Dodgers. But then again, if the Angels come and offer him 250 mil and the Dodgers don't, then he's going to be with the Angels. So at the end of the day, I think with Gary Cole, money's going to talk. But, you know, if there is similar money and all these little things do add up, then, you know, that obviously goes in the Dodgers' favor from all the reports we've heard so far. Yeah, and... I wonder with Cole having just lost the Cy Young Award to his teammate, if there might be uh, some appeal to him in being the man. And that would work against the Dodgers with Walker Bueller starting to emerge. Uh, I mean, I love the idea of Cole and Bueller being a one-two. Uh, but if, if Cole is uncomfortable with sharing the spotlight with another great pitcher, and thinking Bueller might become that, you know, that might work against him. But also, that goes to the winning. Having the more better pitches you have, the better your chances are of winning. But like you said, you know, players say this stuff all the time about winning's important and blah, blah, everything's important. Uh, but ultimately, almost every guy ends up signing with the team that offered him the most money. And so, except unless it was the White Sox that offered him the most money, apparently... Uh, the White Sox had offered Zach Wheeler more than than he ended up getting from the Phillies, and he turned him down. Last year, there were rumors that they had offered him offered Manny Machado more than he got from the Padres. So I don't know what it is to the White Sox, but otherwise, uh, guys generally go where the money is. 
I remember when Zach Granke signed with the Dodgers uh, at the press conference. I don't remember word for word, but somebody asked him, what was it about the Dodgers that made you want to come here? And he said, well, they offered me more money than anybody else, you know, in a way that only Zach Greinke can say with his honesty. So uh, I think that's what it'll come down to. Uh, but if the Dodgers can get close to the Angels' offer, I have to think the Dodgers' intangibles and winning might be a tiebreaker. So we'll see how that goes. We are going to talk about a couple guys that could be traded potentially, maybe not really, but um, it might be long shots for the Dodgers, but they can definitely help the Dodgers if they were acquired. So make sure to stay locked on Dodgers. All right, let's get into the obscure former Dodger. Uh, No rhyme or reason on this one. I just searched 2014 Dodgers and found a guy who served them in a utility role. He hit pretty decently. Yeah, he had an 891 OPS in 22 games for the Dodgers in 2014. Was on the team 2015, but then was not on the team and ended up finishing out his career in Toronto. That's Darwin Barney. Darwin Barney came to the Dodgers um, from the Cubs for a player to be named later who ended up being a minor leaguer by the name of Jonathan Martinez. And yeah, like I said, he he really helped the Dodgers out in that little short span. He he did pretty well. Um, But overall, Darwin Barney, he had... A gold glove year, he was a decent, pretty good, at, not good, he was decent as a rookie, finished seventh in rookie of the year voting, but, uh, you know, another one of those guys that kind of is the definition of obscure, uh, no matter where he was at, whether it was the Cubs or the Dodgers or the Blue Jays, but, you know, he had us, he stayed in the majors eight years, so that's good enough, and uh, that's all I got on Darwin Barney. Yeah, Barney was very good defensively, he actually won a gold glove with the Cubs early in his career. Uh, 2012, I think. and But my main memory of Darwin Barney is after he was on the Dodgers when he had gone off to the Blue Jays. And in, let's see, it would have been 2016, uh, he came in to pitch in an extra inning game. I think they were playing the Indians. Uh, that's, that's what sticks in my head. And he actually got the loss. He pitched one inning and gave up a home run. And... And that was the extent of his pitching career. He finished his career 0-1 with a 9 ERA. Uh, but his whip was only 1, but his FIP was 14-15. So, you know, depends on which peripherals you like uh, to know whether Darwin Barney was a good pitcher or not. Analytics got to him. All right. Um, so this one I think you brought up, so I'll let you – Kind of elaborate. Um, Nolan Arenado, we talked about him before a little bit, but there was a report or something that could allude to his time being running out in Colorado. Yeah. All it really said was that a lot of teams would have checked in with the Rockies about Nolan Arenado. And so there's nothing really indicate that they're seriously considering trading him or anything. Uh, but if they did decide to put him on the market, well, the Dodgers are looking for a third baseman. He's a Southern California boy. Uh, they're familiar with him, obviously, because he's been in the division. Uh, so all of that makes the Dodgers a logical possibility. 
of course, trading within the division, especially a superstar like that, uh, might be hard for the Rockies to swallow. So I don't know if that works against the Dodgers. Uh, and ultimately, with with Rendon available on the free agent market, uh, you know, I think Arenado is better defensively. Uh, offensively, I, I'd probably take Rendon. It's pretty close. Uh, but it might boil down to, with Rendon, all it takes is money. And with Arenado, you have to give up a bunch of players in exchange for the opportunity to pay him a lot of money. And so I think I'd still rather have them go with Rendon than Arenado. But if Rendon signs somewhere else, then maybe Arenado is something they start to pursue a little bit. They have a really good farm system, a lot of depth, and you know maybe that's uh, maybe that's a situation where they approach the Rockies if Rendon and Donaldson both sign elsewhere. Yeah, we talked about Arenado before, and you know about whether how much money he's owed is uh, you know for him being locked down a detriment or. Or a good thing, depending on how you look at it. You know, if he's still owed a lot of money, it could cost less. But if he's also locked down, it could cost more. Uh, interdivision, you know, they call it the tax, where you kind of pay a little bit more to trade within a division. I think overall, I'd, I'd you know, much rather have Rendon, not just for the fact that he only costs money, but um, I don't know. I don't Nolan Arenado. Uh, while I love him and the way he plays. He just kind of strikes me as a guy that maybe wouldn't fare so well in the postseason. Um, and this is not based on, you know, anything. And I know how you feel about guys and, and performing in the postseason. But, you know, I, I feel like Arnado maybe gets a little tight around, you know, we saw it in the World Baseball Classic a little bit. And, you know, we've seen it at times against you know, the Dodgers or, or in a stretch run when the, when the, when the Rockies need him. Uh, and I think, you know, I just think Rendon's a more consistent guy. But, uh, you know, if they can't get Rendon and Arenado did happen to be on the market, then, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing. Yeah, and I agree with you, even if I don't necessarily agree for all the same reasons. Uh, I think basically Arenado's swing and his offensive profile is more susceptible to slumps. I think his peaks are going to be higher than Rendon's but his valleys are going to be lower and more frequent than Rendon's. Uh, and I think that can be meaningful in postseason performance, not necessarily because he's a choker or anything, but just because if if he slumps at the wrong time, then uh, that's bad for him. And Rendon, whether it's the consistency or that he is, you know, preternaturally predisposed to – perform well in the postseason, uh, that was alliterative, what I just said. Preternaturally predisposed to perform in the postseason. Uh, oh. We've seen that Anthony Rendon can perform in the postseason, and he's not as susceptible to slumps. And so, I, yeah, I, I like I like Arenado a lot, but ultimately, offensively, I would definitely take Rendon over Arenado. All right, let's get into the last guy that we have to talk about, and that's Josh Hader. Josh Hader, the Brewers are reportedly listening on, you know, if anyone calls on Josh Hader. The last time we saw Josh Hader pitch on the majors was him 
giving up three runs to the Nationals and allowing the Nationals to advance to the NLDS where they beat the Dodgers. So a little bit of, of blame for the Dodgers, maybe postseason demise goes on Josh Hader. But uh, Jeff, any you know any thoughts about Josh Hader and the Dodgers potentially trying to go after him? Yeah, it's really interesting because if we were just talking about Josh Hader, the pitcher, I think everybody would be excited about the possibility of him being available. Uh, the problem is we're also talking about Josh Hader, the person, and he has not endeared himself to a lot of people. And, you know, people, a lot of people justifiably don't like him. Uh, I'm probably more inclined to, you know, I, I think there's degrees to these things. And I think sometimes we're quick to lump everybody together. And, you know, I, I've seen Josh Hader and Addison Russell mentioned in the same sentence. And I think there is a difference between tweeting inappropriate words when you're 16 and beating up your wife. And I don't think that's really a controversial stance for me to take. Uh, and so while I'm not excusing Hader at all, I do think... Uh, his stuff falls under the category of forgivable. Uh, and obviously he has to earn that forgiveness. But from what we can tell, he he isn't the person who tweeted those things when he was 16 or 17 or whatever. Uh, and he, you know, he does seem to be, uh, you know, from what we can tell, he doesn't, you know, <laughs> the minority players who he's played with have nothing but good things to say about him. You know, it, from what we can tell, Josh Hader, the adult man, is not a racist, at least not openly. And, and you know, there was homophobia that might fall under immature teenager, you know, doesn't excuse it, but uh, I don't know. You know what I'm saying, right, Vince? Obviously, he wishes everyone... You know, would prefer that he didn't tweet out what he tweeted. Um, but I mean, if we go back, there's certain things that, you know, are ignorance and there's certain things that are immaturity. And what he, what he had was probably blurring those two lines a little bit. But at the end of the day, you know, for the for what he for what he's done since then, um, it appears to be forgivable. And like you said, it's way different than a guy like Addison Russell or you know, Sam, or I mean, even Julio to a certain extent. We still don't know exactly what happened there, but it was enough to earn a suspension from Major League Baseball. So obviously something happened there. Um, so we know the Dodger fans would be able to forgive, especially if he contributed. My biggest thing is on the field, I think he's been overused the last two years, and we saw him get hit a little bit more last year. He was still dominant. He was still the relief pitcher of the year. But I think the Brewers are kind of figuring, hey, we've used this guy a lot the last two seasons and he's going to start costing more and he might not be worth it anymore because he might start losing some of that uh, velocity or some of that bite or, you know, or be potential for injury more so than uh, maybe some other pitchers. So I think that's the biggest part for me is that it would obviously depend what they give up, but I wouldn't be willing to give up too much for Josh Hader, the pitcher. Yeah. It's interesting because he does, Pitch a lot, but I mean, last year he only 
he only pitched 75 innings in 2019, which is, I mean, it's not, not a lot, but it's not a ton for a relief pitcher. And uh, so, yeah, there might be some of that. He's got that funky delivery. You know, people have always been afraid that Chris Sale's arm was going to fall off because he, he threw funny. And I think Josh Hader kind of falls under that category too uh, because he got the funky delivery. I don't know. It, it's hard to tell. He, but he's only 25, I think. Yeah, he'll be, yeah, he'll be 26 around opening day. And so he, I would think he's still got a couple years left in him of being dominant. And, you know, that's basically what they have left. He's got three or four years of team control left. And so, yeah, I guess four years. But, you know, he is he's a Super 2, so he's eligible for arbitration this year. And that's why the Brewers are maybe thinking about trading him because, like you said, he's going he's gonna to make more money. And, you know, this year, it's hard to tell what's going to happen in arbitration. But in 2020, he's going to make definitely in the millions instead of in the hundreds of thousands. And that's meaningful. And then it's just going to keep going up if he keeps performing. And so Hayter, the pitcher, for me, the only red flag is that he allowed 15 home runs last year, uh, which was more than he had allowed in his entire career before that. Uh but, you know, the baseball was so weird last year. We don't know what the ball is going to be like next year. And even with allowing that, he still performed really well. And, you know, I mean, in his career, he's pitched 204 and two-thirds innings. So basically, you know, if he was a starting pitcher, he's pitched one full season. He has 349 career strikeouts. And, uh, I mean, he's got a .850 whip. Uh, he's just, he's dominant as a reliever. Uh, obviously, we've seen him, you know, we saw the Dodgers get to him a couple times. We saw the, the Nationals get to him with the help of outfield defense. But ultimately, I think he would be an upgrade for the Dodgers bullpen. Uh, my, my concern is I don't like when people decide how strongly they feel about social issues based on what uniform the guy wears. And so I wouldn't want Dodger fans to forgive him because he became a Dodger. Uh, you know, I, I think either you think it's forgivable or you don't. And I don't think the uniform should play a part in it. Uh, I'm inclined to, you know, my issues with Josh Hader, uh, I, I'm inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt that he has changed until I see evidence that he hasn't. And, you know, that's, that's regardless of what uniform he's wearing. Yeah, but, um, you know, obviously when it comes to the fact of Dodger fans having to forgive it would, you know, they probably don't really care so much unless he's on the team realistically. Yeah. All right, um, that'll do it for this part. Jeff, you got anything else to add? Uh, I don't think so. I think that'll do it for today. Hopefully I can go out and uh, find a new headset so that tomorrow's episode will be back to that sparkling audio quality you've come to expect from me. Hopefully. All right, that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to Locked on Dodgers. We'll be back tomorrow with any other reports that come out or anything else that 
comes revolving the Dodgers. If not, we have a couple topics in our back pocket that we could come and use. Remember, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Himalaya, whatever you use, wherever you think we sound best. If it's not Apple, but you have an iPhone or an iPad or something with iTunes or Apple on it, uh, please subscribe on there as well. If you like the show, please show us. Subscribe, as I said, download, listen, tell your friends, tell your family, post about us on social media, um, talk about us at work. As long as you're actually doing work and not um, getting in trouble for doing for listening, and make sure to rate and review us. We haven't had too many ratings or reviews the last few weeks. I've been a little more lenient on you guys, but I might have to get back a little bit tougher at these end of episode uh, little monologues. If you want to follow, of course, us on we Facebook. promised a giveaway if if they did that, and we haven't done that yet. So maybe it's our fault. That is also true. So we are partially at fault. We'll we'll get on that. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Dodgers. You can follow Jeff on Twitter at Snydog. You can find me at Vince Samperio. If you want to call and leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text, you can do so at 323-863-LOCK. That's 323-863-5625. Or you can shoot us an email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you later. D. I say D-O. D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all hard, all hard and all thumbs. They're my Los Angeles. Your Los Angeles. Our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant?